Uh, normally on graduation Sunday, I like to have students up here preaching with me. Uh, but today you guys just have me because a couple of us students that would want to preach are actually graduating today. So they wouldn't be able to stick around through all the second service. So, uh, but hey, let me just tell you, we have some amazing seniors this year. Uh, some amazing seniors that we are really going to be missing. Uh, can we give it up for them one more time? Well, they are just, they're so great. We're going to miss you. We hope the best for you. Um, and so uh, today, seniors, uh, this message I have written specifically because I think it's important for you to hear. Uh, whenever thinking about going into your next stage of life, becoming independent, going into this next stage of life, uh, I think this message is very crucial for you to hear, though it applies to all of us. And this is, this is something that all of us should, should really take from. Uh, seniors, I speak to you directly because I really hope you can take away from today what God really desires for you and what God really, really wants for, from you. And so uh, today, be, uh, to start, I want us to kind of dive into the scripture passage that we're going to be coming from today, and, uh, and then we'll hop into it, all right? So this, this passage that I'm coming from is from Mark chapter 4, and Jesus he is telling one of his, he ends up telling one of his fam- most famous parables. If you guys see the illustration up here, you probably know where I'm going with this, all right? So let's read it together. It says, and Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large, think like thousands of people, that he had, it was so large that he had gotten into a boat, sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. This was kind of a strategy for Jesus. He would do this often because they would, they would position himself in the most acoustically sound environment he could so that more, as many people could hear them as possible. The sound would bounce off the way, the sound waves would bounce off the lake and be able to uh, project farther than, than just being there on land. And, and so he positions himself strategically so that people can hear them. All right. And then, uh, where am I? There we go. Uh, so it says, he taught them many things by parables. He said, and in his teaching, he said, listen, a farmer went out, and went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some, feed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But then the sun came up. The plants were scorched. But whenever the sun came up, the plants were scorched. And they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so, they did, so that they did not bear any grain. But still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the other disciples around him, they asked him about these parables. And he tells them, the, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and they could be ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. I, I've, I've titled today's message, The Good Ear. The good ear. And uh, we have got a lot of ground to cover today, so I want everybody to turn to the person next to them and say, let's go. Let's go. We got work to do. All right. So 
Recently, my, uh, my son, Crew, he's, uh, he's about two and a half years old now. Uh, he's getting old. But he's, we're approaching this stage where he's, he's learning how to talk better each day. You know what I mean? He's starting to say new words each day. It's becoming exciting, right? But for you parents in the room, you understand. This is both simultaneously wonderful and horrible at the same time. And it's horrible because he's becoming a lot more picky. And he knows he can communicate with you now. And so he's like, no, I want this food. No, I want this show. Daddy, give me fruit snack because I want fruit snack. You, you high schoolers, you get that one. There you go. All right. So, uh, and so he's becoming a lot more picky, but simultaneously I'm loving this because he's, I can actually communicate with him. I can, I can understand him. We're, we're overcoming this, this barrier of communication. But uh, still, still to this day, the crew says a lot of things that I just can't even put together. Like, it's just, it's, it's a wreck. Look, just the other day, I was uh, picking him up from his babysitter's house. We have this mom that, that, who's lovely. Uh, they, she watches crew, and she has a son that's right around crew's age. And They've become really great friends, and so I'll, I'll pick crew up, and uh, just this past week I picked crew up, and I would take them, I put them in the car, we're pulling out of their driveway, and I, I look back and I tell crew, I said, hey, did you have fun today? And he's like, yeah, in pronunciation on the words that he can say, right? And, and I, I would a- I'll ask him, like, what did you guys do today? And he'll, and he'll blah, 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 bike. <laughs> great. Sounds great. You know, and, but he knows exactly what he's saying, right? He knows exactly what he's telling you. Like in his brain, these are the precise words I'm telling you. Why don't you understand yet? And us as parents, we have two options. Either we play the, oh yeah, that's cool. Oh yeah, that sounds great. We can play that game with them and be like, oh, I'm so glad you had fun. All I heard was bike. I'm sure you went on a bike ride. That's great. Or we can kneel down and actually ask him to repeat himself over and over and over again until we fully understand the message that he's giving us. Many, many times Jesus' parables were interpreted, were, were very confusing to interpret. Just like this one, it was very confusing for the people to understand what Jesus was telling them. Just like me trying to interpret crew, they could not put together the words, like why, why does this make sense? Like Jesus, he, he gives us this parable and he's, he gives us a great farming lesson, right? If you want good crop, you plant it on good, unaffected soil. Genius. Thanks, Jesus. Thank you for teaching me something I already knew. But Jesus is this outstanding teacher, right? He's this outstanding influencer. And, and so everybody knows there has to be a point to this. There has to be a point to this story. So Jesus, what's the point? What, what's the point you are trying to make? And, and so the disciples approach Jesus. They ask him, Jesus, what, are you, what, are you, what does this mean? And he tells them that the secrets of the kingdom have been given to you, but to those on the outside, things are told in parables, essentially so that they cannot understand. And, and, I, and the, the, the pastor in me is like, why would you intentionally share something that they would not understand? Like, that doesn't make sense. Jesus, Jesus, why would you do this? Why would you, why would you intentionally give a message that you knew most people in that crowd would never be able to put together the pieces? Why would you give us this amazing metaphor and not even explain the other side of the metaphor? 
Why, why would you go through all this trouble to position yourself in, a, in the most acoustically sound environment so that people could hear you just so they, they couldn't understand you? And, and I asked this. I'm like, Jesus, why would you do this? And, and the legitimate answer to this question, there's a legitimate answer to this question. The legitimate answer is because Jesus in this moment is fulfilling a prophecy that was foretold about him in Isaiah all the way back in the Old Testament. This prophecy, Jesus quotes it. He, the prophecy says that through his teachings that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, that they would be ever hearing and, but never understanding. But, but then even my thought is, why, why would God want this to be a prophecy? This, this goes completely contrary to every single thing that I believe about the effectiveness of the way that we should preach, the way that we should go about ministry. This, this pulls into question everything that, that I operationally want to do. Like, I want as many people to enter the kingdom as possible, and so I will, I will make it my message intentionally clear so that people can understand and enter into the kingdom. Why wouldn't Jesus make this more convenient? And then I think about the conversations I have with crew. The conversations I have with them. And I think, wouldn't it be a whole lot more convenient if I could just understand him? Yes, it would be a lot more convenient. But then I wouldn't have to try as hard in our relationship, would I? I would not have to try. Me, me getting down on the knee and talking to him. Me, me trying to clarify the message that he's giving me, putting the effort in. And really all crew wants, a lot most of the time, is just our devoted attention. And I think in these parables, that's the same thing that Jesus wants, your devoted attention, for you to earnestly seek him for what his word means for you and your life. And so I, let's take a deeper look into this parable because I, I think this parable just completely reiterates this point and, and I think it's so good. Um, but so a couple verses later, Jesus actually goes on to explain this parable uh, to his 12 disciples and just his 12 disciples. So let's read that and then we'll, we'll hop back into it, all right? So Jesus tells him, he says, the farmer, Jesus is the representation of the farmer, okay? The farmer sows the word, his teachings, his, his commands. And, and some people are like seed along a path where, where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last for a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So the farmer... He sows his words, his teaching. Jesus, he sows his word. He gives us his word, his seed, his seed of planting of faith within us. And each one of these soils represents how us as people typically respond, how we can respond to the receiving of his word. So some of us, let's move over here. 
Some of us are like hard soil. So, soil that's on the path, soil that's been, and through many different encounters that we've had in life, we, we've been beat down, right? You've been pressed, you've been stepped on, you've been beat down to where you are so compact that it doesn't matter how, what pressure you put on there, no seed is getting down into that soil, meaning that it's open, exposed, ready for birds to just come in, take it up, right? And what we know, like if you've just planted grass in your yard, you know that soil needs to be tilled up, right? Soil needs to be tilled up. It needs to be softened. It needs to be open. It needs to be airy in order to receive the word, in order to receive the seed given for it. And so whenever we have hard hearts, whenever we are hardened people, and we, we approach God's Word, we approach worship, we approach coming, coming to church, we approach these moments with God as hard people, and we come to church like this. We stand and worship like this. Yeah, we'll sing the songs. And we might, we might even in conversations pretend like we're interested. We'll, we'll, we'll play the oh yeah game. Oh yeah, that sounds great. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Jesus, Jesus says that. Yeah, that's cool. But really, there's nothing going on up here. There's nothing going on in here. And, and I think this is very common, especially among men today. I think this is very common for us men. Like, like men, we'll come to church. We'll, we'll, we'll pray around the dinner table. We'll, we'll, we'll read into God's Word if it makes my wife happy. We'll, we'll come to church. We'll, we'll do what we're supposed to do because that's just what, the way we grew up. You just went to church, right? We'll, we'll come. We'll do our part. We'll fulfill our quota. We'll do what we have to do. But then nothing changes. And, and there's almost no desire within you, no passion within you to want to even know the, the seeds that God wants to plant in you. And, and so we stay hard. We stay blocked off. And we stay blocked off from the truth. We might even, we might even become hard because when we come into church with our already known biases and our, our own beliefs, and we believe that they're contrary to what Jesus has for you. And, and so we already come in with hardened hearts, but knowing that we're not going to accept whatever Jesus wants to give to us. And, and so whenever we stay hard, the enemy comes at you to influence you to sway you back into ways of sin that just continue to separate you away from God because that's what sin does. And, and as you indulge into a life of sin, doing whatever it is that con that's contrary to what God wants for you, you continue to get stepped on and beat down in this world because it's hard, making you harder in the process. For high schoolers, Okay, this is especially true for high schoolers. And I think this is where the real problem lies for you guys, okay? And seniors coming out of high school, you're going you're gonna to notice this. The mistake that's happened, what we've done, is what we, we look at apathy and we've mistaken it for maturity. We look at people who do not care about things in their life and we've mistaken it to understand, oh, they're, they're actually cool. And so we have this understanding, maybe we're too cool for this. Whenever it comes to reading Scripture, whenever it comes to interpreting God's Word, we're too cool for this. 
And, and so when the process of apathy becomes the desired nature of maturity, then the opposite of it, passionate belief, becomes immaturity. Passionate belief becomes immature, becomes weakness. It becomes the things that you don't want to become. Guys, and I'll, I'll tell you this right now. Apathy, I think, is probably the biggest destroyer of relationships you could have in your life. It is. If you are in a marriage and you are apathetic in your marriage, if you act like you do not care in your marriage, your marriage will suffer. If you do not care to even fight to have the argument, your marriage will suffer. In your friendships, if you do not, if you have apathy in your friendships and you do not care about your friends, your friendships will suffer. And so why would we think this relationship that we have with God be any different? If you are apathetic in your relationship with God, your relationship with God will suffer. The hard soil doesn't let anything enter into it because it doesn't want anything to enter into it. The next soil is the rocky soil. And, uh, and this soil, um, this soil, I mean, this person takes God's word initially, right? And, and this person is really excited about God's word. Like the things, like I come to church and I love coming to church. This is great. I mean, the worship, it just hits different. Right, and, and we'll be we'll be here. We'll, we'll we'll we love to we love to endure this. We love to talk about this. We love to be a part of this, and, and so our faith sprouts quickly, and we get really excited about this. I mean, even us as a church, we become really excited about this, and we're excited to see the development that's it ha, that has in you until one person comes up and questions you. Until until somebody until something happens in your life, and then you're stuck asking the questions: Where was God when this happened? where this person makes an excellent point. I guess this belief that I have is not as infallible as I once thought it was. And, and so your faith withers and dies because you have no depth. You have no depth in your relationship. See, the benefit of soil is that it contains moisture within it, right? And moisture... Uh, keeps this plant hydrated so that whenever trials, whenever heat comes and faces down on this plant, on this faith, it is able to withstand because it has enough moisture content in the soil to keep it alive. If you have no depth, you lose your moisture content. You, you lose your ability to fight against these things that will come against you. And so one of the things that we are very passionate about here at Hutch First Naz is we want you to have a deep faith. We will say we want you to grow deep. It's one of our main values because we know how important this is. And, and honestly, one of the greatest ways you can grow deep, and there's two ways I'll talk about. The first one is serving. It, I, I heavily encourage, if you are not serving, start serving somewhere, please. Because what you do whenever you serve is you allow the teachings of Jesus, you allow his word to actually be lived through you, through the actions that you do, rather than just hearing about them. And, and if you work in kids, if you work with students, if you work with teaching in any sort of way, what happens is you are simultaneously teaching the word to these kids while simultaneously picking it up yourself. It's so cool. I think many times you, like, you might have this expectation that we, we want the perfect people to be the leaders of our kids and our students. 
We want the absolute most perfect people. And, and I would say we want good people. We do. But really what we're most concerned about is just wanting people who, want, who have a desire to connect with them, a desire to see them grow, a desire to see their faith transform into something that sets them on trajectory for kingdom work greater than anything we've ever seen. That's what we want. You don't need to be perfect. We just want people who are willing to invest in them. We want, just want people who are willing to serve. Serving allows you to grow deep because it gets you into his word and actually talking through it. And so does life groups. Life groups are the other way. I, I would encourage you to join a life group if you have not joined a life group. Because what life groups do is that whenever the heat comes, whenever the heat comes to attack you, you have this group of people around you who can remove rocks, who are removing rocks from your base. And these people support you. They speak truth into you. Whenever people question you, you're, they're like, hey, don't, don't listen to this. This is lies coming against you. These are the people who can remind you who God is and what God is doing in your life. These are the people who care about you, who want to see you hydrated, who want to see you working for God's kingdom. These are the people who can inspire depth in you. And so if you have not joined a life group, I would encourage that you join a life group. Both of these things are great things. And honestly, if you are interested in either of them, if you want to serve, if you want to join a life group, mark it down on a connection card. Let us know and drop it in the giving boxes on the way out. Get on the hub. Let us know through a connection card that you want to start serving, that you want to join a life group. We love to help you take that next step, right? And, uh, and so uh, that's all I've got for that soil. All right, here we go. The third soil, the thorny soil. I, I, this one, I think, uh, hits a little bit close to home for a lot of us. I, I, think this one, I think this one's a little bit harder because for a lot of us, this might be the case. We, we've, we've heard God's word, we believe it, we accept it, and we've seen growth come from it. But whenever it comes to actually growing even farther beyond this point, we can't because we have our busy schedules that hold us back. We have, uh, our f we have <laughs> the things of needing the needs of this world, worried about money, worried about surviving. And honestly, just in general, we have fears of everything else in this world just holding us together. And we put our faith, we put our God into this little box. And so this plant cannot grow past these thorns because that's the restrictions that we have given to it. In other words, your fears, your desires become greater than the God that you follow. And so we put God in this little box. God, you can operate here, but don't touch the rest of this. This is your little spot, and the rest of it I'll take care of. And we don't let God touch the other things of this life. We don't let him touch our finances. We don't let him touch our marriage. We don't let him touch the way that we parent our kids. And we never see God expand among the, around this box. I think oftentimes, and this is where I find it even, whenever it comes to reading God's word, I think we oftentimes make the mistake in believing that following God is going to be easy, Right? I think coming to Jesus is easy. I think following him is hard. And a lot of times whenever I'm reading scripture, I'll be reading into it. And please let me know if you're like me in this. I'll come across something that Jesus said sometimes, or I'll come across something that Paul or one of the Old Testament prophets says, and I'll be like, I don't know about that. 
I, I, don't, know if I, I don't know if I agree with that, right? And, and, and we'll, 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 we'll stay stumped. We're like, I, this, does not, this does not align with what I believe. I know that. And, and so what we do is we try to manipulate our way around it, right? We try to redefine it. We try to reshape it to make sense within the context, or we'll just skip over it altogether, and, and, and it doesn't fit into my belief. We try to, and what we do is we end up shaping our worldview around our interpretation of Scripture rather than letting Scripture shape our worldview. What you do is you end up shaping God into what you want Him to be rather than letting God shape you into who He wants you to be. God desires for you to grow into something beyond what you can possibly imagine. And whenever we give him the confines and restrictions and place these thorns around him, it's just not going to work. Your faith will never grow the way that it should. It will suffocate because you're not actually following God. You're following yourself. And so Jesus, he points to the fourth soil, the good soil, the one, the one that we all desire to be, the one, the one that we all want to become, the one that grows and becomes exceptional, and that the one that accepts God's word for what it is and, and believes and trusts that it's true, that it's living, that it's active, that it's breathing among us, and we are here to soak it all up. But here's the best part, ready? The good soil, what it has, it contains as much moisture content as possible. Let me, hear me out on this, okay? It contains living water within it. So many times scripture refers to living water being the Holy Spirit. It has the Holy Spirit breathing in this soil. And, and the Holy Spirit comes and it activates this seed. It activates this faith to grow beyond way more than it could possibly imagine. It grows 100 to 60 to 100 times greater than the original anticipated outcome of, of this one seed. And, and, and so Jesus, I think he's making this point, is like, do you understand the things that could be accomplished if you remove all these things? Do you, do you understand the possibilities that you could do through me if you would just believe in me, if you would just stay true to the word that I have for you, if you would follow me and follow me well? Do you, do you know what could happen? Do you know the miracles I could perform through you? Jesus, tell, Jesus tells to his disciples, he tells these other people as well, he says, faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. I can do amazing things with a little bit of faith. Just a little bit of faith. I can do incredible things. I can multiply you. And the activator of this is the Holy Spirit moisture working in the soil. Now listen, I, I think we could make the mistake of this. I think we can mistake and believe that only the Holy Spirit works in this. The Holy Spirit's working here too. These soils also have moisture content within them. The, these, these soils actually have the, the Holy Spirit working as well. The Spirit doesn't just move in the one soil. The Spirit moves in all that sprout, right? Water, seeds need water in order to sprout. 
The Spirit moves in all of these moments and all of these different things. And so we can't assume that God's Spirit is only restricted to the good people because that's not the way God's Spirit works. God's Spirit is not meant and only deemed for the people who are worthy of it because that's the exact opposite of why Jesus died on the cross for you. Jesus died on the cross for you so that you could be made the righteousness of him, so that his spirit could enter into what is unholy and transform it to become what is holy again. The Holy Spirit is meant to redeem you, to transform you, to become all what that God is calling you to be. He he wants to transform you into the holy people that he desires for you. The only soil that doesn't see the effects of living water is the hard one. The one that doesn't even give the spirit a chance to reach the word, to reach the truth. Doesn't even let it come into it in order to receive it. The hard soil is the only one who who restricts the spirit's movement in their life. And and what, what I want you to know is that God desires amazing things for you. He desires amazing things for you to become, amazing things for you to do in this life. And they might seem impossible. They might. But, but God has done impossible things time and time and time again. Why should we be surprised if he does it again? But, but then oftentimes, I mean, like, we'll have these hard people and we'll be hard. And we'll say, the, these miracles have happened, yes. But what happened to me? What happened in my life? What happened whenever my grandmother got sick and and died? What happened whenever I got the diagnosis of sickness? What happened whenever my spouse left me? What happened whenever I lost my child? What happened, God? Where was your miracle then? And, and, And I wish I could stand up here and give you an answer. I wish I could, but I can't. All I can give you are the things that Jesus has said. Jesus says in this life, you will will have trouble. You will have hardships, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And I remember what Paul says, consider it joy when you encounter suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character produces hope. And usually the strongest crops are the ones that have to rely on the outside sources. The, the, the strongest crops are the ones that have to rely on the moisture content of the soil more and more whenever they withstand the heat. Track my metaphor here. The strongest crops need the Holy Spirit to work in their lives, to hold them up so that they can withstand the sun's beat on them. Whenever life gets hard, whenever things become worrisome, don't don't restrict God to this little box. Let, Let his spirit work in you. Let his spirit reveal his desires for you in them. And yes, you might be going through it hard now, but I want you to have faith. I want you to believe that I'm still working, that I'm still moving, that I'm still calling you to great things beyond what you can even possibly perceive. I want you to still believe that I'm working in the midst of the hardest times. And so Jesus, he says, lean on the, on the water in the soil, lean on my spirit and I will grow you. 
I will grow you to do great things. And so this is the message that Jesus gives. And, and again, I ask the question, Jesus, this is a big message. This is an important message, one that all of us need to hear. Why would you make it hard for people to understand this? Why, why would you not want people to understand this message? And, and I think he answers this even with the last statement that he says to close it. He says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. My, my mom was a music teacher while I was growing up. I mean, she can still be a music teacher if she wants. She's not right now. But um, she always had this phrase that she said all the time. She said, this person has a good ear. That student has a good ear. My, my brother, he has a good ear. He does have a good ear. He has a great ear, right? And she would, say, she would say something like this all the time. This person has a good ear. And what she meant whenever she said this is actually that this person was able to interpret a pitch right away. Like they could play a, a note on the keyboard and they would be able to tell you immediately, oh, that's, that's a D. Play another one. Oh, that's an E sharp. Is there an E sharp? I can't remember. I'm not musical people, Okay. My mom did not train me well. Anyway, there's no E-sharp. See, I knew it. I knew it. There we go. <laughs> and, so, uh, and so, but these people are able to interpret pitch right away and vice versa. They, the, the people with really good ears, they could, they could have people tell them a pitch to sing and they'd be able to just hum it. They'd be able to just do it right away. And I don't know if you're aware of the science behind this. It's actually pretty incredible. So can, can I nerd out on you guys a little bit? Can we nerd out together a little bit, okay? Uh, my father's an ear, nose, and throat physician, so I, you actually get to learn from both of my parents today. You ready? Here we go. Uh, so sound moves in waves, right? Like this is not new information to us. We're science class, okay? Sound moves in waves. And, and the longer the wave, the deeper the pitch. And the shorter the wave, the higher the pitch, right? And, and so what happens is, is all these sound waves move throughout the air and your ear is specifically engineered, specifically designed with a concave structure so that it can capture these waves, enter into your ear canal to where it comes up against your eardrum. And your eardrum, all it is, is this plate at the end of your canal. And, and just like a drum head, what it does is it reacts to the vibrations that come and hit it. It syncs up with the waves, with the sound waves that come to hit it, right? And, and so what your eardrum does is it's, it, it registers the distance between these waves. It registers the distance between these waves and it, and it sends this signal through these biomechanical systems that I won't even get into, uh, but then sends these electrical impulses to your cochlear nerves, which then sends these impulses to your temporal lobe in your brain to where you can interpret this, okay? And, and honestly, I just think about like the multitude of sounds that you hear at the same time, just simultaneously, and your eardrum's able to keep up with all of this entering your brain and, and just in an instant. I mean... It's fascinating, right? It's intriguing. It's very interesting. And it's amazing is what it is. But the ability to recognize and interpret the width of a sound wave is what gives a person a good ear. That's what gives them a good ear. 
And the good ear cannot just be passively listening to a message. It needs to be active. It needs to be intrigued. It needs to be interested in the message that's coming to it. It has to be intentional about seeking interpretation of these signals in order to properly understand what it is. Jesus says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Whoever seeks to interpret my message, let them interpret my message. Why, why would Jesus make it more confusing? It's so that you would seek him more. So that you would seek to understand, so that you would seek to interpret, so that you would seek to know him more. Why would Jesus make it hard to understand? So that you would try. And you would try with your whole heart. He wants to know you. He already does know you. He wants you to know him. He seeks for you to be able to interpret his word and what he has for you in your life. He wants you to develop a good ear so that you can be able to interpret what truth is in the midst of the confusion in the world that's around you. To develop a good ear so that he can shape you and transform you into all the things that he calls you to be. And so seniors... If I have to leave you with one thing in particular for today, this would be it. Develop a good ear. Listen to where God leads you, where he wants for you. Continue to seek and interpret his word to care about what God wants for you. God wants you to have good ears. It might take some practice. Nobody with good ears does it immediately. You have to practice it. But the more that you practice, the more that you read into his word, the more that you learn to accept it, the more that open that you stay to receiving it, the, grow, the, the deeper you let your faith grow, the more that you remove these obstacles that you put around God and you get, begin to see God transform you to be a kingdom worker, someone who's here to proclaim his message someone who who you can look at and say, this person has God with them. This person has God moving in them. Develop good ears. Become good soil. Be the inspired people that we always know that you can be. And so tonight, or tonight, youth group too many times, this morning, as we close, I want, I want the seniors to stand up in the room. Senior, graduating seniors, even if you graduated college, stand up. Stand up. Can we, can we give it up for them? Can we, again, one more time. <laughs> seniors, I want us to pray over you while, while you guys are still standing. I want us to pray for you. Because in this life, you will endure trials. In this life, you will have many reasons to why you want to lean on these. But if you trust in God's, God's spirit, if you trust in his word and what he has for you, God, you can do remarkable things in this life with God at your back. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for these seniors, how you're working in their lives, how you're moving in them. And I pray for us as a church that we could be the people to support them. We could be the people to help them in this transition from being a dependent to an independent, that they could be able to learn and accept and have a faith of their own. 
one that leans heavily on you, one that depends on you to supply our needs, one that depends on you to raise us up, to build us up into, and, and one that's completely dependent on your futures for us and not our futures for ourselves. God, I pray that you continue to move in them. I pray that your spirit would continue to influence them. And, and Father, for all of us here in this room, if, if there's any of us who finds, uh, finds ourselves in the positions of these soils, I almost look at these soils as a stepping stone to be able to open ourselves up. If there's any of us that's hard, till us up. Till us up, make us soft, give us your truth, let us receive it. God, if there's any of us with no depth, I pray that we would take the steps to grow deeper. If there's any of us with thorns, I pray that we would recognize the things that are standing in the way of you and, and remove them. Father, we, we love you and we thank you for the ways that you're moving, the way that you're calling each of these seniors. And I pray your greatest blessings over them. Keep them, take them, and shine through them. Father, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray, amen.